Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. See, that's that word as. In Matthew 6, 12, it's saying to us, you show me, God's saying to us, you show me how you want me to forgive you. You want me to forgive you all your sins you haven't repented of? Then you go out and forgive those who haven't repented and who haven't apologized to you. Show me. Show me how you want me to forgive you. And that's why that little two-little word as is so powerful in Matthew six twelve, God is saying to us, he's, saying that he's gonna forgive us in the same way that we forgive others. And if we want God to forgive us of all of our sins, even the ones we haven't repented of, then we have to do that too. So if God said, if God's saying that, okay, he's going to forgive us in the same way that, that, that we forgive others, what do we got to do? We got to go forgive those who have sinned against us, wronged against us, hurt us, even when they haven't repented of us. And that's why this word is so important as in, in Matthew 6.14. Now, this is the position that Joseph is in, in verse 5. Because in verse 5, Joseph is looking at his brothers, and there's a question in Joseph's mind here. And the question is, had they really repented? Had they really repented? Is this really a complete and genuine repentance here? You know, like the jury, Joseph could say, I haven't pulled the brothers you know, and heard from every one of them that he's sorry for what he did to me. And frankly speaking, there really is a valid question as to whether each and every one of these brothers has repented of his sins toward Joseph. I mean, after all, the only person who's crying in the room, persons, the only persons who are crying in the room are just Joseph in verses 2, 14, and 15, as we saw, and Benjamin in verse 14. The rest of the brothers are not crying. They got dry eyes, and they just started talking to Joseph in verse 15. I mean, you know, you could, you could see Joseph looking at them and saying, hey, not one wet eye except for Benjamin. Benjamin and I are the only ones holding the Kleenex box. <laughs> None of the other brothers or asking for Kleenex. I don't think my brothers really repented. I just think they were scared and they were relieved to be out of trouble. That's all. I mean, he had reasons to doubt if his brothers really did repent. But that doesn't affect Joseph forgiving his brothers because he understands, Joseph understands, God's gonna forgive me in the same way that I forgive my brothers. And Joseph knows that He's got some sins that he hasn't repented of. Who doesn't? And so Joseph knows he must fully, he must completely 
forgive his brothers if he wants to be fully and completely forgiven by God. And the Lord further said to us that when you pray, when you're praying, and in the time you're praying, you remember a person that you have not forgiven. Why would you remember that when you're praying? Because God is sitting there pushing a button, saying, you know, that person right there, right there, he says, right there and then, God says, you have to forgive that person right there when you're in prayer. He says that in Matthew eleven twenty five. Matthew eleven twenty five. He says, when you stand praying, praying, when and when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Joseph had no choice. He had no choice but to forgive his brothers, whether or not they had sincerely repented. And we have no choice but to forgive everyone who has hurt us, whether or not they have sincerely repented. Too much was at stake for Joseph to not forgive, which was his relationship with God for Joseph not to forgive his brothers. Too much is at stake for us, which is our relationship with God, for us not to forgive and to hold on to a bitterness, which is the cancer of the soul. Now, we've seen how Joseph was more concerned about his brothers than he was about himself when he said in verse 5, Be not grieved nor angry with yourselves. You sold me hither. But now in verse 5, Joseph has said, you sold me hither. And he's put this great problem on the table, you know, the elephant in the room. And this is the issue, uh, 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 this is the whole issue. The brothers sold Joseph as a slave. I mean, this issue of selling Joseph as a slave is threatening to make the brothers fall into depression. Because that's what he's talking about when he says, don't be grieved and angry with yourself. It's it's threatening them to become depressed. And this issue of Joseph being sold as a slave is threatening to make Joseph bitter at his brothers. See, these are the two problems today. These are the two great problems that people suffer from today. Depression and bitterness, depression and bitterness. It's been estimated that one out of four people in the U.S. today are on, a, are on a psychotropic drug to treat either depression or bitterness, depression or bitterness. And like the brothers, we've all done things, we've all done things in our lives that we wish we hadn't done, that we're angry with ourselves for having done, and those are the things that threaten to put us into depression, depression. And like Joseph, we have all we have we have all had things done to us in life that we wish would had not been done. And we're angry with the offenders. In the first case we're angry with ourselves, it makes us depressed. In the other case we're angry with the offenders who did those to us and those are the things that threaten to drive us into bitterness. So here in this passage is the dealing with these two problems, depression and bitterness, the two greatest psychological problems today that man faces. Depression that was threatening the brothers of Joseph. Bitterness that was threatening Joseph. And Joseph is now going to deal with these in verse 5. The problem of how his brothers are going to overcome depression for what they did to Joseph. The problem of how Joseph is going to overcome bitterness for what they did to him. Okay, so you ready? Here we go. So Joseph is going to give him the answer for how to overcome depression and bitterness. It's in verse 5. And he says, 
Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. So the answer to the question and the solution to the problem is one word, God. So if you were kids in Sunday school class, whenever you get asked a question, you either say God or Jesus, and you got it right nine or ten out of ten times, right? That's the right answer. Okay, so here Joseph has been faced with this problem of, uh, uh, of seeing depression in his brothers, of bitterness in himself, and he gives the remedy when he says, God, God did send me before you to preserve life. That's Joseph's state of mind. God did send me before you. Joseph is thinking along the lines of what it says in Psalm 105, verse 16. Psalm 105, verse 16 says, Moreover, he called God. He called for a famine upon the land. He break the whole staff of bread. Verse 17, 105, 17. Psalm 105, 17. He sent a man before him, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant. So Joseph just saw in everything that he happened in his life, God. And for Joseph, things didn't just happen in life. For Joseph, life was not a matter of being in the wrong places at the wrong times. God was behind it all. God has good purposes in what he does. I was reading a history this morning, actually, of a son whose mother had breast cancer. And it was interesting, as I was, th- I was thinking about Joseph and his state of mind in life, and this man's state of mind in life because his mother got bro- breast cancer. And here's what he wrote. Before Thanksgiving, my mother's doctor found a suspicious lump. And on Thanksgiving Day, as we were sitting down to dinner at my aunt's home in Beaver Lake in Arkansas, we got the phone call nobody wants to get. The results of a biopsy revealed, revealed that my mother had breast cancer. Suddenly, Our Thanksgiving feast didn't look at all appetizing. All of our hearts fell to our stomachs as we put away the food and jumped in the car to visit her doctor and learn of the next steps. Let me first say that a person doesn't get cancer. The entire family gets cancer. It affects everyone. And I imagine everyone in in the world either knows of a loved one or a friend or a colleague that has had some form of cancer. So off to the doctor our family went. That was one of the scariest trips I've ever traveled. We had no control. We had no plan. We had no idea of what awaited us. I remember the silence as we drove. I looked outside the side window as the world was going by, knowing it might never be the same. I watched as other, other cars were driving along their merry way, probably people going to enjoy a Thanksgiving meal with their families, not knowing what we were going through in our car. It didn't seem fair. At that moment, life was seemed cruel. It was cold outside. Sure, but I remember everything being gray and foggy, dark and bitter. I was more angry than scared. I was being, uh, I, I just wanted my mother to be okay. During the drive, I had so many thoughts going through my, my head. Why her? Why was one of the sweetest women in the, on earth to, uh, being punished like this? What if this cancer was terminal? What, how can I wrap my head around this? And so forth. Now, so you see those words that she's, he's using there. Why her? Why is she being punished? Dark, bitter. I was more angry. But in, 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 in verse 5, when Joseph was speaking, that's not the frame of mind that he's in. That's not his state of mind. Joseph, for Joseph, it wasn't just a famine that happened. No, it was a famine that God called for, as it says in Psalm 105, 16, 105, 16. Moreover, he called for a famine upon the land. I mean, just think of that son that I just read you about, whose mother had breast cancer. To see the difference 
about how, how, how Joseph saw the famine. For Joseph, this was not a famine that was so unfair, so unjust, punishing all the Egyptians. It wasn't a famine of darkness and bitterness. It wasn't a famine that made Joseph angry. This was a famine that God called for. And those words called for in Psalm 104, 105, 16 are so very important when we apply them to our lives. In this case, as in this was a breast cancer that God called for. This was a car accident that God called for. To see the events of life, even the tragic events of life, as being called for by the good and gracious and kind God, that changes our attitudes, our states of mind. We don't get angry. I remember when Stephen Olford, Bible teacher, told the account of how his family was told by his oncologist that he had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and how he had to start chemo immediately. They were in the office there. The, the, the doctor says, you have to start immediately. And he said how there was a silence. Not one family member spoke. It was like eerie. And all of a sudden his wife says, doctor, can we get a bite to eat first before we start the chemo? We're all very hungry. <laughs> but, and no one said anything until they got back to their hotel room and sat at a table and then they prayed and, and the first words out of Stephen Overt's lips were, Lord Jesus, we worship you. Wow. How could a man that was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma that later killed him say, Lord Jesus, we worship you? Because he saw everything that happened in their lives, even the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, was called for by God. Which is why when I was told that I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, my first thought was of God, the great physician in heaven, taking out a prescription pad and writing on it, let's see now, lymphoma cancer for Tom. This is what's best for him right now. And that's why I welcomed it. And I said, okay, that was called for. To see every event in life as called for by God, it makes all the difference in the world. That's how Joseph saw this famine as being called for by God. And that's how, that's how Joseph saw his brothers also. So as for Joseph, he saw his brothers when they're selling him into Egypt. He said, he said, no, I said, it was God sent me into Egypt. That's what happened. And, 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 and that's how he saw him as ascending. He said, sending. He says, Joseph seeing himself as a sold slave. No, he was being sent by God. That was the important part. And being sent by God is really important because as, as it says in Romans 10, Romans 10, 13, it talks about whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And it asks the question, how shall they call on him whom they've not believed? How shall they believe in him whom they've not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall he preach except he be sent? See, no one can be saved unless they call on the name of the Lord. No one can call on the name of the Lord unless they believe. People believe because they hear. People hear because there's a preacher. There's preachers because they're sent by God. So when Paul was in prison in Rome, he, he, he saw himself not as Paul in, in chains. There's a whole cathedral in Rome. If you go to Rome, you want to go see the statue of the Michelangelo, you go to San Pietro in Vincoli. You know, this is Peter in chains. Anyway, Paul didn't just see himself in chains there. He saw himself as saint, sent there. And when he responded back, he writes in, in, in Philippians 4.22, all the saints greet you, chiefly they that are Caesar's household. What is Paul talking about? He's talking about the souls that he won in Caesar's household because he was sent there as a prisoner. That's how he sees it. 
Joseph sees himself as sent by God to Egypt. But how did that sending look like? Well, it looked like a slave being sold. Well, the Lord Jesus spoke of being sent. He said in, in, in John 20, 21, John 20, 21, then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, so send I you. Well, how did the sending of the Lord Jesus look? What did it look like? Well, it looked like him being so-called sent to Nazareth because Herod was killing all the babies where he was born, in Bethlehem. So that was his sending. He was running away from Herod. It looked like he was being sent to Galilee because the Jews were seeking to kill him in, in, in Jerusalem, around Jerusalem. So that's how he got sent to Galilee. It looked like he was sent to Samaria because he just had to go through it to get where he was going when he met the woman at the well. And, 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 and that doesn't quite look like what we think of being sent. A slave being sold by his brothers into Egypt because his brothers hated him doesn't quite look like being sent. But it was. It was. And that brings the question back to us. How about us? How about you? What, what does our sending look like? That we, well, we just happened to buy this house or we happened to rent this house in this neighborhood. That's why we lived there. Or was it you being sent by God into that neighborhood? Well, I, I, just, I just got this job, and, 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 you know, I applied, and I got the job, and it was better than the last job. That's why I moved. So is that why you worked there? Or was it that you're, you're sent by God to that workplace? Was it that Joseph was just sent, sold as a slave into Egypt by his hateful brothers? Or was Joseph sent by God into Egypt? It all has to do with the state of mind. It all has to do with how we see ourselves, where we live, where we work, where we are, where we find ourselves. Are we just there, or has God sent us? And for Joseph, it was a matter of choice. Yeah, I can choose to say, yeah, I'm here because I was sold as a slave, or no. It wasn't anything to do with that. It was that I'm here because God sent me. He knew that God had sent him. He knew that God loved people, and he wanted to get to work helping people wherever he found himself. And that's how he determined to live his life. And that's why Joseph said that God sent him to Egypt. And he said to, his, his, he said to them, God sent me here before you to preserve life, before his family. Now, in verse 5 here, when he says that, before you, here Joseph is speaking in particular about preserving his family. That's not just any family. This is the family of Israel. It shows here how God has a particular care for the people. When Joseph said before you, he's saying that the primary reason that I was sent into Egypt was to save the family of God's people, Israel. As, 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 as it says in Deuteronomy 32.9, Deuteronomy 32.9, the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. So when you see this, and you see what Joseph is saying here. He's, he's saying that he, 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 he endured all of this hardship. It was hard. He was a slave in order to save his people. He endured the hardship in order to save, in order to bring blessing to his family. Now, this truth that Joseph had to suffer in order to bring blessing is what Jacob, the father, saw on his deathbed. He saw this truth. Jake, Joseph had to suffer in order to bring blessing. And he talked about it when he said, 
in Genesis 49.22, Genesis 49.22, Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well, whose branches run over the wall. The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him, but his bow abode in strength, and the arms of his, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Jacob called his son a fruitful bough. And what a fruitful bough Joseph was. With, with a fruit of his life, he saved his family, he saved the Egyptians. But in describing him as that, he says that Joseph also was like the God who had done this for him, and that God is the shepherd of Israel and the stone of Israel. And, and he's saying Joseph has been like that. So saying that Joseph is like the shepherd of Israel is to say, is to see Joseph, he's, he's, he's doing what a shepherd does. He's feeding, he's caring for the sheep. And, he, and, he, and this is what you see him doing here in verse 10. In verse 10 of chapter 45, verse 10. Thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen. Thou shalt be nearer to me, thou and thy children, thy children's children, thy flocks, thy herds, all that thou hast. There will I nourish thee. Where? Near to him, he says. For yet there are five years of the famine. So you see him as a shepherd there. You see him as a stone, as a rock of Israel. When you see that he's giving stability so that they don't fall into depression, we've just seen that giving them counsel to say, look, you got to look at this as God sending, God calling, God doing. And he, and he says, you got to stay close to me because so I can be your shepherd, I can be your stone. And dwell in the land of Goshen, you should, thou shalt be near unto me, verse 10. He couldn't be the shepherd of Israel. He couldn't care for his family if they were, if they were not close to him. The same is true of the Lord Jesus Christ. He can't be our shepherd to feed us, to care for us, our stone, to keep us stable unless we stay close to him. He, and, 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 and then it says about, it says, and that's why the Lord pray, prayed, I will that they may be with me where I am. Now, in John 17, but Joseph, he never could have been this great shepherd, this great stone, unless the archers had shot at him, grieved him, and hated him. Who are the archers? His brothers. They're the ones that hated him and sold him into Egypt. Joseph never could have saved the Egyptians by being this fruit for Baal had not he been hated by his brothers. And the day's coming, we're going to see it in, in uh, Genesis 47, 25, 47, 25. They're going to say the greatest thing that anyone can ever hear from another man when they said, the Egyptians said, thou hast saved our lives. Thou hast saved our lives. So this overriding principle in how Joseph solves life, God did send me before you to preserve life. This is what was his state of mind. He will, we'll, we'll finish, we're going to finish up this book in chapter 20, chapter 50, verse 20, chapter 50, verse 20, Genesis 50, verse 20, when he's going to say, as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Joseph, for his staying so close to you, to have the mind of Christ in him. And we pray, Lord, that we might be like him in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Do you have fatigue or trouble getting out of bed or just getting through the day? Are you so tired you can't focus? Do you feel like your life is drained away? Do you have fibromyalgia headaches? I have good news for you. Our doctors at Scanabody's Imaging and Therapy can give you cellular ozone therapy. Why not get your energy back now by calling us at 1-888-529-9016 or visit us at treatmyfatigue.com. 